Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is John Keller from the film consulting and promoting initiative Felix Motor Society. Now, let's start the show. This is Anthony Alex from the Angry Mailman podcast, and you're listening to another fine show from the From Page to Screen Media Empire. Hey guys, this is Ace Marrero from the movie Madison County. Hi, this is David L.G. Hughes, writer-director of the film Hall Bowl Suites. I love the pace and the fastness, and I love the fact that you just roll with it. Hi, I'm Eric England, the director of Contracted. Hi, I'm David Amaru, the writer-director of Deviation. My name is Nathan Whitehead, and I wrote the music for Beyond Skyline. Hello, Stuart. Just a quick hello from Sarah Douglas. Hi, this is Ben Lloyd Holmes from the film The Expedition. This is Dominic Burns, the director of Allies. Hey, Stuart. Page the screen. Com up in my bum, please. Snakes. Get up to my motorcycle running and tracking up with my fucking snakes. Genius. With Dom, eating pizza and pussy. I'm Neil Johnson, I directed Rogue Warrior and The Time War, and I crucified Adolf Hitler. The From Page to Screen Moviecast. Hello. Hello, how are you doing, Mr. Robert Dyer? You alright? I'm fine, how are you? I'm not too bad. I'm tired. I'm absolutely exhausted. (laughs) I finished work at 8 o'clock this morning. (laughs) Oh, God. So it was a long set of four shifts. And then got home, went to sleep for about three hours or whatever. And I was podcasting with John Fouts at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, which was great. I do miss miss chatting with John. He used to do a lot of shows with him. Mm -hmm. Sort of on a week-to-week basis. And I think the last time I spoke to him, months and months ago. So... It was uh, it was all right. So that podcast is now online. What, did you like the title? Happy Fouts I of July. Indeed. I'm like that'll do because the last one when he appeared, I think I called it the Fouts Awakens because he'd come back. <laughs> so I, I'll do like to try and put his name in it wherever possible. So then I um, finished that about quarter to four. So this whole one hour thing didn't work with him. Don't work with John because I might not speak to him for about four months. So who knows? <laughs> so I, I sort of just t- took the chance while I could. And then thought, right, I can I could do whatever I want because the net was out, and I just could not be bothered watching any films, couldn't be bothered playing any <laughs> games. So I just I laid in bed upstairs with the curtains open, the sun beaming in, and I just vegged out for like two hours. So it was great. So fair enough. Everybody's allowed to do that once in a while. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I just couldn't be bothered. Do you ever get like that when you go? I've got so yep. much, I've got time to watch a film, or I could do whatever, and you go, do you know what? I don't want to do anything whatsoever. I'm having a real battle at the moment with Netflix. Uh, that battle being, I'm trying to find something that kind of shouts out to, shouts out, watch me, and uh, end up with uh, the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, it's a safe place, isn't it? You yeah. Just go, I'll just watch Big Bang. Well, you've got Stranger Things, which by the time this podcast episode airs, it will have come out and everybody will have watched it and ruined it. But that, that drops on Friday. Mm-hmm. And I will uh, be tuning in. 
Me too. I think we've already planned we're going to watch three episodes on Friday, three on Saturday, two on Sunday, and finish it. Because I think it's eight episodes, I'm not quite sure. But it's the old, the internet will ruin it for everybody, won't they? So we've oh, got, yeah. got to watch it before it airs. Or, or don't look at the internet. Yes, and I, I don't know about you, but I can't do that for three days. So I will struggle. I, I, I'm getting very good at averting my eyes when... Um, you know, I did exactly the same thing with Game of Thrones. Yeah, me. Um, me too. I'll, be, I'll be kind of running down the page, reading something, and then I'll see an image or or the mention. I'll see game of, and quickly turn away from the computer. Yeah, or you see a picture from the the episode, or one of the cast members. Hello, I'm I'm, yeah. gone. I'm gonna I'm done. Just change to a different tab. Well, actually, for me, this started years ago. There was a reason I never, ever followed Star Trek, the official Facebook account. Okay, what was that? It used to ruin things for me. Oh. I used to find out things before I wanted to know them. It's weird. uh, Some people like finding things out, don't they, beforehand? Yeah. I don't quite understand that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I know quite a few of the the plot points from the the last Avengers movie. Mm Mm-hmm. But I've not gone looking for them. I've just no. I've heard them, and it doesn't really upset me because if I wanted to watch the film that much, I would have gone to cinema to watch it. But it, I'd never go hunting for spoilers for something that I really wanted to watch. I don't. Oh, no. I don't quite understand that. It's uh, it's an odd one. Um, and then there's the people who really, obviously, enjoy um, giving out spoilers to people as well. Yeah, I don't understand those people. I really. Do not, and Marvel people aren't too bad for that. Marvel seem to be... I don't know how the Star Trek mob are, but Star Wars are not great. Um, Game of Thrones I, were pretty shocking. Walking Dead are shocking, but Marvel ones kept the secrets. I have to say, the uh, the Star Trek fans in America who'd seen um, the Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind, yep. they were really good at kind of not giving anything away for the month between the, the kind of the european release but that's good is are there things in it that not necessarily spoilers i suppose but maybe suppose there are actually well there are for me the spoiler it out of um, what we left behind is the fact that they um got together the original um writing team sat in a room for the day and fleshed out what would be the start of season eight if season eight was to be brought back or recommissioned by CBS at this point in time. Right. So um, that is the spoiler, really. And was this done back at the time when the show was around, or was this something that was done years after it had been cancelled? No, this was done for the documentary, so this was done a few years back. Yeah, so Um, there wasn't really a plan for a season... No. ...come out, but you never know. This is what they would have done had they been able to. Right, okay. Uh, what what they did is they got together and they said, right, 20 years has passed now um, since Deep Space Nine. So if we, it was to to kind of be brought back tomorrow, where would be, we we be going with it? So they actually built in the time period that had passed as well, which was very good. Yeah. Um, in all honesty, I am sure um, that they wanted um, enough kind of fan... Um, reaction and uh, outcry that it kind of pushed CBS into a season eight. Um, whether or not that will happen is, you know, yet to be found out. But I do plan on writing a, a tweet to CBS at some point myself. Um, usually with uh, 
with things like this, the the hard thing is tying down the cast members. Yes. But with all the cast members being in the documentary and looking like they loved Star Trek, they loved what they did on Deep Space Nine, I don't think there'd be a problem getting the cast members back together. No, because if they weren't really that bothered about being in it, they wouldn't have taken the time out to be in the documentary, would they? That's usually the sign. Mm-hmm. Like I watched the documentary about Waterworld the other day, which is making a Waterworld. It's a new documentary. Oh, pretty, when did that come out then? It was part of the Arrow release. Ah. So on my little purchase of Arrow things, there was a, one of them was a two-disc set of Waterworld, which has got the two-hour, ten-minute theatrical, mm-hmm. and also the two-hour, 55 extended TV cut on it. And there's yep. also this 100-minute making of Waterworld, which is really good because it's not like, oh, everything was great. It's wonderful. It was like, yeah, this went wrong and that went wrong and I <laughs> fell out with this. So it is a warts and all type thing. Yeah. And the only Kevin Costner footage in it is archival interviews. But yet, you uh-huh. obviously, Dennis Hopper's not in it either, but you've got other people being interviewed now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they've obviously still got a fondness for it, but Costner was obviously off doing something else or it was too expensive to get. But. Mm-hmm. So what were your thoughts on the DS9 documentary? Um, Worthwhile watch? Was really enjoyable? Or would you watch it again? Or is it just a once watch? Yeah, pretty much seen it. I would watch it again. I would... Well, I plan on buying it. Uh, unfortunately, at the moment, there's only a US release. Um, it can be pre-ordered from Amazon.com. Okay. Um, it would be great if they got a UK release of it. Um, well, you, but, you also might find that it's uh, region free, maybe. Um, I don't think it is, Oh, uh, from what I've read, um, which is a downside of it. I'd have to buy a new Blu-ray player. That's, that's not good. Get multi-region Blu-ray players. I, I don't think they're that easy to come by. I don't think they're that absurd. No. I've not got one, but I have a multi-region DVD, but not a Blu-ray one. Yep. So, um, so yeah, I'll definitely watch it again. I will, because I'll go out and buy the thing. Yeah. Um, it was it was a, a real fascinating insight into the show. Um, for me, I missed kind of the negativity about Deep Space Nine. Um, I bought the Deep, Deep Space Nine videos as and when they were released. So I was one of these people mm. who would wait for the release in Woolworths and go out and you know spend <laughs> the, the huge amounts of money for a couple of episodes. It was like twelve pounds, wasn't it, for every yeah. two? And we didn't mind. I didn't mind. I did it as well. I think from. Yeah. Yeah, I think from the beginning, actually, I remember the the emissary, which mm-hmm. was, that was the pilot one, wasn't it? Was that the, it was the emissary, the title, and it uh, I bought that one, and it was like, yeah. yep, twelve quid, and then I bought every single right up until the end, I think, all yeah, of the I, all I, VHS. I'm exactly the same. <laughs> I had um, special um, shelving put up in uh, my room at the time, so I could display them all, um, and yeah, I, I used to really enjoy that. So. Um, when I kind of started buying from from the first episode, The Emissary, um, I fell in love with Deep Space Nine. So I, I've always loved it as a show, and it's always been my favourite Star Trek show. So obviously, there was this whole backlash around it where that's not Star Trek, that's not Gene Roddenberry's vision, um, because obviously Gene Roddenberry um, wasn't around for Deep Space Nine. He'd, no. he'd he he died, I think, at that point, yeah. Before Next Gen had finished, because they they ran at the same time, didn't they? I think. Yes. There was a bit of a crossover. There was a crossover. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there was this big um, backlash, and and there's great scenes actually from the documentary where they've got the the cast and crew. When I say cast and crew, I'm talking you know, main cast members here, yeah. um, sitting down, and they've handed them 
um, kind of printed letters from from angry fans demanding oh, no. that the show be cancelled, um, that telling them that it's awful. There's plenty of swearing in them as well, and just said, just read that out, please, for the camera. And they've got the cast members reading that, which which actually makes for a fantastic um, watch. Um, it, it was really good. Um, the getting kind of to to see all that and seeing the reactions um and and seeing what they thought of it as well um was very interesting you know that they very often felt kind of not appreciated but they carried on doing it anyway um appreciated or not appreciated by the fans yes That's a shame, isn't it? Because it's at the end of the day, it's like it's cool that you know Avery Brooks is Cisco and all that sort of stuff, and it's cool he's getting to play a Star Trek captain and all that sort of stuff. But it's a job. It's like why? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you know we go to our job. Can you imagine if people just like wrote into us all the time at our day jobs or night jobs in my case and just called us names and said we're horrible and yeah. we should be fired? It's like <laughs> come on, really get a grip. Just change the channel if you don't want to watch it. Yeah. So um, you know that was interesting but then kind of the, when it de- when they delved deeper into characters um there was this um segment um at one point that delved into um Benjamin Cisco and his relationship with Jake Cisco yeah. his son on on screen and you found that um Avery Brooks who played Ben Cisco would um, take Cyril Lofton, who played um, Jake, um, out to, say, um, a basketball game. Um, and he would take um, Ciroc and his real children, and he would introduce them to people as, these are my kids. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, it was, it was a really nice relationship they had. Yeah. And um, even though it wasn't kind of scripted, he pushed um, Avery Brooks, this is, for this um, fantastic on-screen relationship um, between Ben and Jake because um, he wanted um, them to be a role model for kind of these black Americans who, um, you know, were were having kind of trouble with their kids. Um, He wanted to show, you know, this is how it it can be done. You can have a, a close relationship. You don't have to be distant from your children your children and he you know that was important to him something i'd never known you know from from watching the series and it was really fascinating i thought you know well done you know you definitely achieved what you did you know because you watch them on screen and there's many times you look at and you think they could be father and son yeah easily yeah so you know there was fantastic insights into so much it's it, it would be hard to cover um and kind of you get to see then um there's um remastered um elements from the show that we get to see um where they've taken um the footage had it um rescanned again they paid um paramount cbs to rescan certain footage for them right um from the original film so they could produce it in hd for the documentary which has never been there's never been any Deep Space Nine HD footage because it was yeah. only ever released in standard definition. So they ended up, I think it was 41 minutes of footage they had, including one of the fantastic fa- um, battles between kind of the ships during the Dominion War and watching that on a cinema screen, yet alone in 
HD when you've only ever seen it in standard definition on a TV screen was absolutely fantastic. Um, it what, it really was. What was the uh, what was the audience like? The audience was good. Um, you know, it's great to go to a cinema where you're you're there watching um, something that you really like and. When you're laughing, people are laughing along with you at the same bits. They get the same in-jokes. They get, you know, all the different parts of it. You know, obviously there were people there dressed up. Yeah. Um, There was only one annoying person in the audience who I was glad to see leave. (laughs) Why did they leave? What Um, happened? Well, when I say leave, they left at the end of the documentary. Oh, right, okay. But they left before the extra... um, writer's round table footage right at the beginning um iris stephen bear comes on he gives an introduction and he um he says by the way when the documentary ends stick around we've got a special um writer's round table for you as well right the amount of people that when the credits started rolling who just stood up and started walking out of that <laughs> cinema i'm thinking did were you not here yeah. for that first bit when it said stick around? It's like you've come all this way to watch a documentary slash film and you've not even listened to it. Well done. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> it's bizarre, isn't it? But this one guy that that uh, I'm talking about, he was the that, that one annoying fan who thought it was really clever to, um, when there was a clip being played, say the lines before they actually oh, um, yeah, were said. Yeah just so he could prove that he knew what they were going to say, but made sure he said it loud enough that the whole cinema could hear him. Anybody tell him to shut up? No. Um, there were several points I thought about tipping my popcorn on his head. Yeah, it's like, that, I mean, that's the problem with, and it's not just Star Trek fans, I suppose you've got obsessive fans of any kind, you band them all together and sometimes it will be annoying. I watched like a cinema marathon of Star Trek, three four five six and then followed by the premiere of seven mm-hmm. and that was wall-to-wall star trek fans and it's like you would get them because they've seen obviously you know three four five six yeah before so they would you get them just repeating the diet it's like can you just shut up <laughs> what's the matter with you it's not a competition or a quiz just mm-hmm. knock it off because there's people there who may not have seen this. Who, well, you certainly hadn't seen the documentary before. so Not at all. It was all Crazy. brand new. And uh, so, you know, if you were there at Manchester, you know exactly who you are. I didn't have to mention that you were wearing a Star Trek morph suit as well. Um, <laughs> but yes, you know who you are. Um, but yeah, the icing on the cake then for me came when you started to see what the writers kind of penned for the beginning of season eight. Right. You know, I suppose it's one of those dream dreams come true because if a show is cancelled or, or stopped that you really enjoy getting to actually hear from the writers how it would have continued. Yeah. It's just fantastic. The only drawback is that you're left wanting more because that in itself is introduced cliffhangers. Right, yep. So, well, well, you've heard what they've decided, what they're like, right, this is going to be the next season. If that was a season and it came to pass, do you think it would have been a good season? Or do you think, do you know what, I think it kind of ended the way the way that I'm happy with it ending. Because I, I thought DS9 kind of ended a little bit quick, that whole mm-hmm. last episode. For me, like the whole Dominion War wrapping up was like, right, done, what, what, mm-hmm. what's going on? I would... 
I was never a massive fan of the the speed of that conclusion. But all in all, I thought that the series ended pretty well. So I was well, believe it or not, the Dominion War, which took um, pretty much a season, yeah. Um, Paramount um, didn't want it to go past two episodes. Wow. Um, and they were kind of constantly battling because they they were being told by um, Paramount that they. Um, Star Trek was a show where people should be able to dip in and dip out and um, wherever you kind of jump in, even if you've missed several episodes, it's fine because it's self-contained and it's, you know what to expect. They didn't want to want any of this kind of um, serialization where if you jumped in several episodes into the Dominion War, you were going, well, what have I missed? You know, the yeah. defiant, shooting something you know um they really wanted to avoid that but luckily um they kind of pushed back and kind of did what they wanted anyway and um i think one thing they mentioned is in in today's kind of climate for watching tv shows which is you're binge watching on netflix yeah star trek deep space nine works so much better as well than it did yeah because you can sit down and you can watch that entire season seven and watch the whole Dominion War in a couple of nights if you want. Yeah, you can. But I think what you've got to remember, I see Paramount's point at not wanting to do that sort of thing back then, mm. because in the sort of the the early nineties, whatever, no, nobody was doing it then. I remember the first show that did a continuing story that was like a multi-season thing was was probably DS Nine, but then also one called Murder One, which mm-hmm. was a single season. 23 episodes whatever it was that was just one court case but tv generally wasn't like that back then was it it was more like the early next gens and the original star trek where you could jump in and you could you know you might never have seen an episode before but by the end of that episode you knew who the doctor was you knew who the science officer was and so on Mm -hmm. and so on and that and that's what they were saying kind of deep space nine pioneered kind of that format which has now kind of very successfully made its way into um tv all over you know you only have to look at your walking deads and everything which is kind of one of the most popular shows um to to have been so um yeah it was um, if you think about it this way it's like pretty much all of the main big shows are continuing story arcs game of thrones breaking bad Mm -hmm. 24 Prison Break, you know, all these things, all these shows, Sopranos, everything, all the shows that I, man, all the ones I love, I can't really watch procedural, you know, sort of monster of the week type shows anymore. I need a continuing story arc. Mm. So, and that's the thing, yeah. when you when you look back at the X-Files, you've mentioned it yourself, yeah. you find that very difficult now. Yeah, I do. Yep. So um, it, it does make you wonder what would happen if uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine actually had been released now. Would we be going on to season eight, nine, ten, and beyond? Uh, uh, probably. I mean, Discovery's the newest one, isn't it? And that's mm-hmm. you know, is is that a, a continuing story thing? It is, right? Yeah. Okay. So they've, they've it, carried that on then. They have. Um, so yeah, it's it, it was really eye opening and it was really good. Um, and and like you were saying, you know, do I think they should have put it to bed and, and kept it, or or would I be happy for a season eight? I'd be happy for a season eight. Um, that the ideas and how their minds work is fantastic. It's great, kind of getting that glimpse, fly on the wall moment, listening to these writers sit down and and, and kind of talk about how the show should go on. Um, it, it was funny because it was mentioned at one point that 
you know, they they fleshed out this first episode um, in a day. They pretty much set themselves this um, task of doing it in a day. Apparently, when they were paid to do it, um, it used to take them two days. So they said the moral of the story is they work better when they're not paid and they're doing it for fun. Yeah, of course. Of course you would do. Yeah. and it, But again, that, that, that says something when these writers, um, one of them was saying, you know, um, when they heard um, that Ira wanted to get them together, he says, that's the kind of stuff you clear your schedule for. But then to find out that he wants to get them together to, to flesh out where Deep Space Nine would be, would go on a season eight. He said, you know, that's, that's amazing. You know, that's, you know, everybody had dropped what they were doing for that. And it just shows that, you know, just like the, um, the cast, the crew members kind of, enjoyed working on star trek deep space nine so much that it meant so it means so much to them even now and you know that's why i say you know a season eight would be so easy for cbs to pull together and to me when star trek um where cbs has launched a star trek global franchise where they're pushing for as many different spin-offs as possible to really kind of um, push the star trek back brand and obviously make them as much money for them as possible yeah it seems daft that they wouldn't explore the um the option of bringing deep space nine back because it's now regarded as one of the best series of star trek ever made so that's just jumping back into gold dust for them surely it is, and with the good enough writers which you've got, you could work it both as a sequel and a reboot, Yeah, couldn't you? So you could put new, it'd be so easy, that show, to put it in, and people who have never seen the first seven seasons could join it on this, this eighth season and just carry on watching it. It'd be well, do you, do you want some spoilers or not from... Yeah, uh, go, go for it, yeah. Yeah, okay, so um, like you say, it, it does bring in these new elements as well. What the the kind of 20 years on from where we last saw um, Ben Sisko disappear. Um, we then have um, Deep Space Nine has become a shrine for the Bajorans. Okay. So um, they go there to worship um, the prophets and, and the emissary. Um, we see kind of big statues of um, Ben Sisko holding the different orbs right. uh, on the observation deck. Um, you know, as people are looking out of um, windows towards the wormhole. Um, the kind of crew mostly have gone and done their own things. And um, we find um, Nog commanding the Defiant, <laughs> okay. um, which is under attack by cloak ships, um, kind of hastily making a retreat. And... Um, the rest of the crew are called to Deep Space Nine um, for some um, reason. When the crew kind of pull themselves together and they, and they all end up back there, um, they're told, well, they were told on the way there that they, it was for um, Vic Fontaine. He's, um, he's mm-hmm. dying, this Holosuite character, and, you know, we need to go... F- pay our final respects and it shows you kind of how much they they thought of Vic you know what I mean he was just a member of the team in the end so they all go back for that reason but in um in a surprise moment it was actually um Nog had asked to get everybody back there because he'd got important news to tell them 
Right. So they get this kind of live stream coming through um, on a view screen, and um, the Defiant is destroyed <gasps> using Nog and his crew. Oops. So, um, yeah, unfortunately. Um, Bye, Nog. We, yeah, we need a petition to stop that. No, uh, no, no more petitions. No, no. And I'm Not sure, good. like, save Nog as a hashtag or something like that. Um, but anyway, moving on, they have um, Esri Dax in um, the captain role of her own starship. Okay. And that seems to be the starship that's then going to take over from the Defiant. Right. So we, they kind of have kind of moved the Defiant on. And we've got this new starship captain by Esri Dax. Yeah. Um, you know, Worf had gone and done his own thing. Um, he was back on um, Kronos um, doing Klingon-y stuff, I think, like kind of ambassador-type role again. Um, the the other big thing is that Kira is very... She's on the station. She's commanding the station. But she's very kind of cagey with the Starfleet crew who've come back. Right. She's become a Vedic herself and kind of looking after the station because, you know, the, the whole um, kind of Bajoran people as a whole have, have become very much um, more focused around religion, even though they were um, back when we knew them. Yeah. And, but she's been very cagey. She wants the, the, um, the crew, the Starfleet crew off the station as soon as possible. And we don't know why until the big reveal where um, we find out that um, there is quite a few Jem'Hadar now who have um, kind of switched their allegiance to the prophets and become kind of prophet worshippers. Okay. And uh, Kira knows about them. It's like kind of Kira's hidden army. And it's like, well, was it them who killed Nog then? Because they didn't plot second. Nog, Nog found out about, um, you know, the this, and he was coming back to Deep Space Nine. He was getting the crew together to tell them about it. Yeah, somebody's bumped him off. Yeah, like the the it, it's actually led leads you to believe from what they were saying that actually it's Section Thirty One who bumped Nog. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember uh, them. The sort of the, the elusive, sneaky spy people. Yeah. And possibly Julian Bashir is now the head of Section 31. But again, there's so many questions, it's unbelievable. So we need to kind of flesh out more of the season to see yeah. where it goes. But but you can see from there, you know what I mean? They've they thought about it. People have aged. Um, we've got, um, we he even had the introduction of um, Ben Sisko's son with Cassidy Yates. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, who's now yep. working um, for Starfleet and is actually posted on deep space nine God, that makes but, us feel old yeah, well exactly <laughs> so, um, like what <laughs> Imagine just what it's 25 years isn't it since it, is. it since it's, it ended it's just it? over yeah yeah 20 25 years that's insane that, but, that, th- those numbers need checking that surely can't be right <laughs> <laughs> but they they had so many great ideas and to come up with all this in a day it, it just seems yeah, wow, that's, amazing. That's why they are as talented as they are. Isn't it? Exactly, it's why, it's why they were trusted. paid money. Yeah, of course it is. And I, I'm all there like, oh, we'd do it for free. Yeah, no, they wouldn't. <laughs> they, oh. did that, they did that part for free, which I'm I'm fine with. But if they actually got the writing gig, I'm sure they would want and deserve a paycheck. So it sounds good, though. I'm it, hoping it, it does make it over here. So, you know, it can be watched and stuff. So, But, like, you, you get um, some of the cast and crew 
watching them kind of well up when they're talking about Deep Space Nine and um, Aaron Eisenberg, who played um, Nog. Mm-hmm. At one point, he's in tears talking to the camera about it. You know, it's it's such an emotional kind of ride, especially for the people who are in the in the documentary itself. Yeah, um, that's good. And so, yeah, sounds, it sounds like you you had an entertaining time watching it, other than the uh, the one idiot who decided the to, one idiot to be, a, to be a subtitle and the and the cinema, which uh, you know I, I know I mentioned briefly to you uh, previously. Yeah, uh, so no poster. Yeah, no poster. You know, obviously everybody kind of came out of this thing, and they were straight on Twitter posting kind of their thoughts, and um, people were posting pictures and. I'm watching these other cinema um, cinemas around the country where they've had um, the, the the poster for the documentary printed out and put in, you know, the illuminated um, cases mm. you get at cinemas. And so people are crowding around for a photo. I'm thinking, where, where was this in Manchester? There was, n- there was no f- um, kind of mention of it anywhere except kind of the little... Um, led board that flashed up what was what was showing that night yeah um as you walk through the door in in the cinema which is this is the showcase cinema in manchester um there's this kind of lovely ticket booking um desk and it and it's got all these posters and um tv screens that that are trying to get an upsell they're, they're trying to tell you that you can get these luxurious leather seats you you have loads of leg room um they're really comfy you need to spend extra money and upgrade now and as soon as i walked in and saw this i'm upgrading you know i'm here one night only star trek i want the best of the best so i approached the lady working on the desk and you know, we asked if we could possibly upgrade our tickets. And she said, yeah, not a problem. What are you here to see? So we said the Star Trek Deep Space Nine documentary. And she said, oh, that's not one of our films. You won't be able to. Wow. And and that was it. Yeah. It, it, at that point, you felt like you'd been put in the basement. You know, I mean, with regards, it, with regards to the poster thing, that's not the cinema that would have done that. That is the people that put the event on. Because I attended the the Gods of Warriors one, mm-hmm. and they'd, you know, made sure all the stuff was in place, and they'd put the big standee at the bottom. So it's it's not so much the cinema, it's whoever, whatever the company is that put the event on is mm-hmm. pretty much to blame. Obviously, they're not to blame for the. You know, sorry, you can't upgrade your seats. <laughs> I mean, if you can't upgrade the seats, just there's probably a better way to phrase it. Yeah. Oh, unfortunately, because that's a, it's an independent screening, we we don't have any upgrades available. That's that's saying exactly the same thing that you were told, but it's yeah. kind of being a bit more polite about it rather than that's not one of ours. Do yeah, exactly. That's not one of ours. It just made you th- made you yeah. think. Well, you know, they didn't care about this film. Um, they they obviously weren't making as much money or or whatever, so it meant nothing to them. And, yeah. and that was that was disappointing. The thing is, though, the cinema would have made the same amount of money because the people who put the film on, you know, mm. that whatever company it is, Cine Events or whatever they're Cine called, Events, yeah, they they would have paid for that screening to the cinema. They'd be effectively renting a screen form from them, mm. so they'll have made money. And people are still going to buy popcorn and drinks and stuff. So cinema will make probably a bit more, actually. Well, yeah, I, cool. I think they would make more from the DS9 documentary than they would from Endgame because Disney are going to mm. go, yeah, I'm having half of that ticket money. Well, that's the thing. When you look, you know, just 
that you know they ended up being four of us uh, in kind of the group watching and um i think each of us spent about a tenner just before we went in just on kind of drinks popcorn etc yeah of course so that's a, you know another 40 pounds in their pocket yep crazy so, yeah sounds like, it sounds like fun though it, it was fun but you know let down by the cinema i think the the biggest letdown then was for me was hearing um that apparently the liverpool screening had a live question and answer session with um aaron eisenberg who played oh. um, Nog before yeah. the showing. Apparently there was kind of some video link or something so right. people in the audience could ask questions. Um, Manchester, nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, but in a way you feel like that could have, you know, been handled by maybe Sin events and they could have broadcast yeah, it to everybody it, because even it, if there was only, them, yeah. even if there was questions just being asked in, in the one cinema, um, we could have at least seen, the Q and A session. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, there, there was a few little things like that, but it didn't didn't ruin the documentary, which was absolutely amazing. And you know, yeah, the you're, um, you're not going to run and throw out all your DS9, you know, Blu-rays or DVDs, whatever. You go right. Not I've had enough. I fell out with it. <laughs> um, but apparently, the Blu-ray has even more footage. There's so much that was taken out to get this down to, I think, the th- three hours that I was there. Mm. But on the Blu-ray, they've just kept even more in there, which is which is fantastic. Gives me another reason to want to buy it. It's going to say another reason to pick it up, isn't it? Yeah, which is pretty good. So that was me, and it was great. Has it inspired you to maybe make your own documentary about something at some point? Or I think it showed showed me that when you're doing something like this, even if you've got kind of the contacts and the resources it still can take time for yeah. for it to come around because this documentary has been years and years and years in the making. And there's only a certain point in there where Ira said, ah, that's what we wanted. That's the thing that was missing. That's what we needed to get across that we didn't know we needed before we started the documentary. Yeah. There was a certain point where it kind of clicked in for them and they'd been making it for years before that. Right. Um, so yeah, that you know, I think it's like a, a labour of love, and you can't get into these things unless you really are dedicated, because oh, it can stretch for years and years and years. Can you imagine it's been like somebody asking us, going, "Can you go make a, a documentary about Twilight?" I think yeah. <laughs> I could, but it's not going to have the passion. Yeah, exactly. To, you know that uh, I'd rather go make one about Entourage or Twenty Four or something. You'd rather go do a Star Trek one or yeah, or Roswell or something like that. You'd be well away, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, have you watched anything else? I have. I've watched a few things. What have you watched? Um, I watched um, Bruce Almighty for a second time. <laughs> okay, it's funny. I like that. Just because I'd only seen it when it first came out, um, so. uh, you know i saw it there i thought why not um you know i think at the moment a bit of comedy is needed in my life uh, because i seem to be kind of gravitating towards uh, comedy shows so um i watched bruce almighty and i've also watched um night school i've not seen that one i don't think um kevin hart uh, all right okay and uh basically it's um, Kevin Hart, who's kind of been lying to his uh, 
girlfriend um, for years. He was a high school dropout, um, never kind of finished um, his school and um, ended up working at this um, barbecue grill um, sales place. And he did really well out of it until he takes his uh, girlfriend there to propose and ends up blowing the place up. Wow. Okay. <laughs> at that point, he doesn't have any job, a job anymore and finds that he can't find any other work without having um, his uh, GED certificate for, for completing high school. So goes back to the school hoping to kind of con um, the head um, into giving him his GED without having to actually work for it. Um, the head now being his bully from um, school, and uh, that's not possible, so he actually has to start a night school class um it's very funny um it's not highly rated on um now tv where where i picked it up but i had a blast watching it i was laughing and just really one of those films i could just sit there enjoy didn't have to think and just laugh and have a good time nice good so it's well worth watching well i introduced annette to the star trek the motion picture because um, we have this dice roll thing we've mentioned mm -hmm. a few times on previous episodes, and one of them is franchise. So we've okay. finished the DC franchise, so we're, we're up to date on that as much as we can be. And the next one was Star Trek. So she's like, have you got them all? I'm like, I do, but I think they're all on Amazon anyway. So yeah. we, uh, we headed to Amazon, and Star Trek the motion picture came on. And I'm like, oh, here we go. This could go horribly wrong. She enjoyed it. She, she said it's very, very good. She can really appreciate the visuals, because mm -hmm. so, it's like 1979, and even... The, the model work and the, camp, the cinematography and stuff like that's amazing even now I know like, when, when you look impressive. at it the, the one thing Star Trek did really really well is having the practical effects and practical yeah. you know all these models that were painstakingly built and for, for the show they stand up they do. They to to kind of the test of the test of time. Whereas you look at some films, and you know it's all done by CGI, and it's such a telltale sign. But with Star Trek, it does stand up to that test so well. Well, you watch Avatar; that's dated. Mm. Your Star Trek motion picture that's not dated as much as Avatar, and there's a massive time difference. Yeah. Between those coming out, but she, uh, I think, was the way she summed it up. I liked it, I can appreciate it, but not a lot happened. I'm like, mm -hmm. you kind of got a point. Not a lot does really happen in no. <laughs> Star Trek The Motion Picture. And um, the version I watched, though, was the one on Amazon, I think is just a theatrical. So it's mm -hmm. two hours, ten minutes, which is shorter than the actual director's cut that Robert Wise put together years later and tinkered around with the, yeah. the visual effects and stuff. So it's quite nice to go back and watch a slightly different version than the one I'm used to watching. But I enjoyed watching it. I still love the soundtrack to that. Oh, the, the the soundtrack from Star Trek, you know, all down the years, you know, it's it's definitely up there as one of the best soundtracks yeah. you, you can get. And the opening shot on the, the motion picture when it's it's a single camera pan that goes upside down and left over the Klingon Warbird, <laughs> that still gives me goosebumps that shot. It's fantastic camera work. Mm -hmm. so just, just to go all super geeky, but it was, uh, yeah, so next time she was a bit... Hmm. Are all the Star Trek movies like this? Because she's seen some of them. She's seen the, the Generations. Mm -hmm. So she's seen that one. And she's seen the reboots, or a couple yeah. of them anyway. So she's seen the first one and the second one. But she's not seen any of the other Kirk or 
before the Picard years. So mm-hmm. she's kind of like, is, are they all a bit like the first one? I'm like, no, no, no. I think they learned a lesson from the first one. And number two is more like a you know, feature-length type episode thing. So, well, yeah, number two is is definitely rated as one of uh, one of the best. So, yeah, they do rate that, and I don't. I'm, yeah, Russell Corn. Uh, Generations is mine, or Generations Insurrection. Pretty much uh, all the next gen ones are. I prefer those to the majority of the Kirk years. You see, Generations is one where you, I really feel again. You know, the amount of times we talk about kind of. Um, cast getting backlash for things really feel for uh, marina um huh. anna troy because yeah. even now she's ge- she's getting jokes about crashing the enterprise yeah, you know, you're drivers in, yeah exactly you're left in charge of it for a few minutes and look what you do um, like, to be fair i got hit by a shockwave so yeah. <laughs> you know there's not many drivers that could actually pull out of that one. Yeah, exactly. You try driving down the road with a, a Klingon bird of prey decloaking and firing torpedoes um, at you and see what happens with you. It's like, get a grip. But no, I, I mean, I suppose for me, the series, I prefer the next gen cast anyway yeah. to the original cast. But I'm looking forward to rewatching Star Trek Wrath of Khan because I haven't seen that for many years. Mm. And then obviously watching 3, 4, 5, 6, etc. So it's. Um, but yeah, that, that's what we watched. I watched the Waterworld thing. I've just watched way too much. <laughs> really, really <laughs> watched a lot of stuff. I've been. Um, I went out and picked Avatar 3D Blu-ray up. Oh. Which I've not yet tested it, but I did test Jurassic World 3D Blu-ray on the PlayStation VR, and it's weird. It it, it works. You know, sort of comes out of you and stuff. So that's why I thought, if I'm picking up a 3D Blu-ray, then I'm going to pick Avatar up because that is like the the benchmark so demo, isn't it? These 3D Blu-rays, it is just you're looking at the screen and things jump out at you. You can't turn left and right and see. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. it's it's like you're at the cinema. So it's not IMAX. Do they make IMAX films? Yes. Can you get an IMAX film for um, your PlayStation no, VR? No, you can't get an IMAX one, but you can put. We can watch anything through your VR headset, and it's mm-hmm. like you're watching it on a 226 inch screen. <laughs> which that number is actually correct. That's not like a made up number. So because right. because um, Bob came around the other week, and I went right. I'm going to show you three things. I'm going to show you. I'm going to let you put Skyrim on, mm-hmm. and you can test the hot one. And so just put it on and see what you think. 25 minutes. He had it on. I'm like, that's kind of longer than a test. <laughs> and Annette and I are looking at each other going, does he remember he's in in our house? Is he just like, is he drifted off into Skyrim world? Is, is he going to play all 300 hours? Should we just go out? Should we go have some lunch? Go watch Avengers or something? But yeah, about 25 minutes after he took the headset off, I went, no, it's pretty good. That. So I guess he got lost in that world. Mm. And then I put on just a regular Die Hard Blu-ray. Mm. And that is amazing because it's like you're watching it at the cinema. So if you watch your very, very favorite film through a VR headset, it's it's just 2D, but it's like you're watching it on a massive screen. It's it's really cool and weird. You have to make sure you uh, buy lots of popcorn before you uh, you do that so you can get the full cinema experience. Pretty much, and have somebody sitting in front of you just reading the script out, which is, <laughs> is always a bonus. And then the third thing was testing the 3D Blu-ray which is rather strange because the VR headset isn't a 3D lens by any means, but it does work, so it's quite odd. Wow. So there's, there's more. I was chatting to John earlier on. I said there's more to VR than just playing video games. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you can sit and watch YouTube through it. It's, it's quite odd. 
but it's interesting. So it, um, it does make you wonder where where things are going. Um, you know, the you know the the possibilities with VR. We we've touched about this in the past. It's just mind blowing. I think when they start bringing people together from across the world, yeah, will be when it takes off to even to a next level. Well, we were watching on the BBC iPlayer because the Glastonbury Music Festival's just been on. Mm-hmm. So we decided, well, let's just set a series record for that. Woof, there's a lot of Glastonbury on TV. <laughs> the, the poor old box's memory's going, yep, I've not got a lot of space left. So we're watching some of that. And you think, can you imagine putting that in a VR headset and you're actually at Glastonbury standing mm. at the front watching whoever you happen to be watching, be it Cheryl Crow or, or whatever. But that would be very cool. But going to concerts... Or DS9 screenings, for example. Mm. Put your headset on, you sat in a cinema auditorium. I would happily pay the same amount to watch that as I would to go to an actual cinema. Yeah. Because yeah, then you don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. You don't have to buy popcorn or put up with annoying people. Yeah, you can order your, your favourite local Chinese or... Of course you can. Yeah. Yeah. So it does. It has a lot of possibilities, but... Uh... I'm, I'm sure... And... You might know, so correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure I've seen an advert actually for um, kind of maybe Premiership football or something like that, where you can actually kind of be sitting in the crowd and looking around and seeing kind yeah, of what's going it. on. Yeah, I can believe it. So you know, it's like, and I have no real interest in going to a Premiership, thing no, or whatever. But but I would probably put a VR headset on and just go. Oh, you know what? I'm going to try it because I just want to see how weird it is. Yeah, it was like one of the the free apps. You put it on and you watch everybody else's created video content. One of these, you're in a nightclub, just watching a DJ stuff. That's not my scene at all. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a nightclub Let's go watch a DJ song yeah. by any means. <laughs> but uh, I think my limit was the, the Sci-Fi Whales party. I'm like, you know what? This is as much nightclub mm-hmm. as I'm getting, and it's nowhere near a nightclub But this is, this is as close as I get. And I was fascinated in a nightclub, people dancing all around me, and I'm sitting in my living room. Mm. Weird, very, very strange, but interesting. It, it, it definitely leads to this world where, um, if it evolves too much into um, holodeck slash hollow suite territory, people will not be leaving their houses. No, and I suppose that's what everything's designed to do, isn't it? Really, I mean, whether it's designed to do that, but the world nowadays is when we were growing up as kids, we would go outside mm-hmm. and we would go outside for like. You know, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven hours, and then we come back when the sun goes down. Types. Yeah, we'd be off climbing trees or doing whatever, riding bikes, exploring, yeah. stealing apples from your neighbour's tree. Kids nowadays, as from what I've seen, don't do it. No, they don't. They don't go out. But there's there is also that safeguarding issue. You know what I mean? And and I'm not saying necessarily that it's more dangerous now than it was in the past but certainly the news and the media makes it feel that way because you you get so much so many reports that you see about things happening yeah. so as a parent it's you know as as one myself it's just the fear of doing it you know the thought of letting Addie go out and play oh my god so is she not i mean she probably go out in the backyard mm-hmm. would have thought and play but generally you know, in in a few years' time, if she's like, I'm just going to go to the beach on my own, would would that make you nervous? Yes. Really? Wow. That yeah. I find all that fascinating. I'm saying with the next kids, when they some of their kids do not play outside, they don't go out. I mean, with uh, with Bob's daughter Emily, mm-hmm. it's always YouTube. Yeah. Or playing video games. She, I, very very rarely. I mean, Bob goes out on day trips and stuff with her and stuff, but she's like 11, 12 or whatever. 
she doesn't go out on her own as far as I know and it's just it's mind blowing I, I can very very well see me sitting in a car kind of tailing my own daughter when she oh, does go no. out no <laughs> you know but after you know and I know it's cringeworthy but you know you, you hear so many scary stories I think that's the thing, though, isn't it? It's not. You, you sort of touched upon it as well. I don't think the world is any more dangerous now no. than it was when we were kids. I mean, when I was a kid, I was probably about 12. Somebody tried to snatch and assault me, but I ran like a bastard because I was a fast runner. So I knew, and I knew people that were very dangerous people, and so the world that I grew up in was was not safe. And But yet, it wasn't talked about. The mm-hmm. media certainly didn't talk about it but nowadays everything's doom and gloom mm-hmm. you know everywhere you go there's, there's people watching you i think technology makes it bad because it's the whole you know internet and prowlers and people pretending to be this that and the other so it's a different kind of creepy not more creepy than it used to be i think for me a, a great um example of that um i was always really wary going out in kind of my college years to to nightclubs and, and things like that. Um, just because, again, you would hear about the stabbings or the somebody being bottled or hit with a glass um, in local newspapers. Yeah. Yet, if I visited friends, uh, for example, I've got a friend in Derby, um, I visited him, again, we went out clubbing. The fear that I had locally was gone. Because I wasn't in Derby all the time, so I never got the local papers. I didn't hear what happened in these clubs. It could have been exactly the same. It could have been ten times worse. But my perceptions were, I feel safe. Right, okay. Um, yeah, it's it's funny how the media can kind of change your, your perspective on things. Because I was, I've talked about it before, but I was 13 years old. I lived on my own for like a year and a half. As mm. in like, lived on my own for a year and a half. And I've told people that story over the years. They're horrified. Mm-hmm. They're like, were you not scared? And think, no. And I lived in a scary time where I was generally the kid who people wanted to kick the crap out of. <laughs> but I was all the time. I, every time I came out the front door, I had to look left and right, make sure nobody was there, and then sprint away from my house so that people didn't know where I lived. Because, you know, I was, I was a hunted child. That's how I became a very <laughs> fast runner and how I invented free running. Yes, I most definitely did invent being able to hop over a wall <laughs> with a single bound and scale trees like a, like a squirrel or whatever. But uh, living on my own for a year and a half, I was fine. But mm-hmm. people are generally, people have said, did you not go to the police? I'm like, why would I? <laughs> why? I was fine. I enjoyed. My parents were horrible. I was fine living on my own when they'd, they'd gone off. So, But nowadays, it would, people would be uh, shocked. And again, isn't that crazy, though? Because now they say children grow up a lot faster than they did back in the day. Yeah, Yet, I don't think they do. Even, do but, but, well, I'm not sure. Even if it is the case, they they grow up faster they're still doing a lot less and a lot more yeah they are I mean it's like you know um, Bob's daughter I mean how old is Addy? seven so she's seven so by the time I was around Addy's age Mm -hmm. I was taking myself off for the full day going to cinema on my own going out in the morning at eight o'clock in the the morning coming back about six o'clock at night no Mm -hmm. mobile phones nothing you would never let Addy do that. No. <laughs> You'd be like, no. And that's, that's probably very common with, with a lot of parents and children of Addy's age. 
but me, I was off. I don't know. I was doing all sorts. It just didn't, didn't. I didn't feel like an age when it was no. that age. If it makes sense, I didn't feel like I'm seven. I just, I was me. So I just took myself off and disappeared and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it, it's, yeah, it's very strange how the world's changing. But I, I don't know. I don't. I still go back to the Netflix and touch screens that are making people. Uh, not as smart or not as streetwise mm-hmm. because they're not learning things that unless they want to and generally a lot of people don't want to learn stuff to, they just want to watch Love Island or whatever yeah yeah Oof. but it's uh, yeah it's, it's a very different world nowadays than when we grew up it so is who knows what it's going to be like in 20 30 years time like I say that that then you're in the matrix, aren't you? You you aren't leaving. You don't need to because when it's time for school, you just plug yourself in or change the I mean, program. And I mean that's the thing. I know we've sort of had conversations off podcast, but it's like imagine if we worked from home. Mm-hmm. I would happily work from home. I would love to be oh, yeah. like a, a home based PR whatever doing whatever I'm doing. I wouldn't feel the need to leave the house. Well, I'd be I'd be fine with that. I'm like I I did that for 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 quite a number of years myself, um, kind of before moving to uh, to Llandudno, and um, yeah, I, I loved it. I didn't feel the need to to. I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything by not going into the office and having uh, contact with people there. I was very happy sitting in front of my computer when I needed um, to talk to colleagues, picking up picking up the phone and having a quick conversation or or whatever. Yeah, um, that was fine with me. I was very happy, and I would happily go back to that now. So would I. If I could just work out how to do it, I'd be I'd be <laughs> like, "Yep, I'm going to." And that's the hard nut to crack for me, anyway. That's the battle I'm doing. It's like I do lots of different things, and I do them all well. But I, all the things I do, nobody's willing to pay for, which mm-hmm. kind of sucks. But you know, I may, I may get there one day. Who knows? It's, uh, the ever, um, yeah, the ever challenge, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, we we you could always start a Kickstarter. <laughs> I could, but you know, well, well, I'm able to do my salary each year for that. I don't know, possibly. I think I just need somebody to see. That's the thing. I'm really good at what I do, but I just need somebody to tap me on the shoulder and go. I need a business brain, basically. I mm-hmm. need somebody to go. All that stuff you do. If you do this that way, and then that that way, it'll work. And I'm like, oh yeah, I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. I'm more the creative sort. I'm not a businessy yeah person. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. it does to me. So yeah. So Neil, help me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm trying to think what else I've watched. I haven't watched much in the past four days. I'll tell you an interesting thing, kind of interesting in a bad way, that I did, which is part of the reason I wasn't able to go to DS9 documentary, mm-hmm. was my aunt has been recent, recently diagnosed with dementia. Mm-hmm. Which, which you know, she's, she's in her 70s. Yeah, I, I knew this because we, yeah. we briefly chatted off podcast, but um, but always sad. But uh, So I'd seen her, I'm, I'm trying to make a point of going up at least every couple of weeks mm-hmm. and just just seeing and whatnot and it's uh the first time I went up is fine you could tell a short-term memory was a little bit wonky but nothing major mm-hmm. but it was like so i went up last week and basically the house is really cluttered this mm-hmm. flat is really really cluttered not messy just cluttered you've got like, ornaments everywhere it's a bit like her ornaments are like my dvds yeah everywhere so the the people of the housing association thing that that she lives in have said that she kind of needs help decluttering it just to get make a bit more space and oh okay fair enough I'll pop up every couple and we'll do a little bit so this woman was like 
oh, just got to get rid of like most of the stuff. So I sat down with my aunt. I went, right, just ignore what she said. So Because at the end of the day, it's your house. Yeah, so It's exactly. your house. It's your stuff. But if you do want a hand decluttering it a little bit, let me know. Oh, don't touch me. I'm like, anything you don't want touching ain't going to get touched. Regardless, regardless of what a woman said. So I'm like, no, it's your stuff. It's your house. It's your life. That's and that's cool. quite disappointing, actually, because um, people who suffer from dementia, you know, if they've got things of sentimental value, mm. they hold on to the memories of those longer. So to actually start removing things will it's actually bad. cause cause more confusion. It will. Totally. Yep. That's why I've got a geek wall. <laughs> not, yeah. not that I've got dementia, but it's nice. You know those days when you go, do you know what? I'm not getting anywhere. Uh, oh, you look at the things. You know, I'll go in and look at some of the sign, sci-fi whale stuff, and you go, oh, I remember that. That was uh, I was on top of the world on that day, and it brings you back up type thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I went up last week, and I said to my aunt, I'm like, right, so what, what did we discuss last time? And she remembered. She said, we're going to move this little cabinet get rid of that thing and then that frees up some space i'm like right so i said well we'll, we'll take all the stuff off this cabinet like paperwork and stuff mm. put it over there and then i'll get rid of the cabinet cabinet's empty we can take the cabinet out smash it up it's done you okay with that yep fine and then she realized that she'd lost this little red folder with all the paperwork in that the the carers need when they come in so she's like mm. oh that red folder's missing so i'm thinking well you know we've not thrown anything out other than the cabinet it's fine so we know it's still in here where was it? She went, it was on this cabinet, right? Well, we've not thrown it out, so it's fine. Right, okay. So I said, look, the only three piles of uh, red folders, because she said it's in a red one. There's a pile over there, which you've just looked through. It's not in there, is it? No, right. That one? Check that one? Yeah, it's not in that one. And this one? No, it's not in that one. Right. Oh, I wonder if it's in this one. I'm like, no, we've just checked that one. Mm-hmm. And then she, she looked through it again. This was like within three, four minutes. And I'm thinking, just check that one. So she looks through it and she goes, oh, it's not in that one. Oh, I wonder if it's in this one. No, we've just checked that one like three minutes ago. And it's like, oh my God, it's, the short-term memory is, is bizarre to watch. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, we've all, you, know, you and me probably forget stuff now and again. Oh no, was that today? But generally, it's, we can remember more than five minutes. It's, yeah. it's fascinating in a bad way. You know, it's not like, oh, that's really fascinating. I'm glad I'm watching it. But it's kind of like, wow, I didn't know that that's what real short-term memory looks like because mm. I've never seen it before. It's, it was very odd. So she checked through this pile like five, six times. And I'm like, no, we've already checked it. What's the matter with you? We looked. We've not thrown it out. <laughs> it's, and we found it. Funnily enough, it was in one of the other piles that she checked through. But it's like, what? Mm. Very, very strange to see. Yeah. But like- her, lo- her long-term memory is as sharp as a button. And, and, and that's great. You know, and it's great when they've got that you know because i um i was back in stoke obviously uh for um the showing of the deep space nine documentary i went from stoke to manchester and and back again so i I spent a few days in stoke so whilst there i took the time that like i like to do every time i got there and to go and see my nan um who's in a nursing home because uh, her dementia is so bad that unfortunately she can't living with my mum anymore and um you know you never know what you're going to expect now because she's kind of so far in with this dementia so you can go and she's having a really bad day where 
you know you can't really talk to her or she can you can go and she can have a good day and she will remember a few things and it's absolutely amazing kind of as time goes on when you have the good days yeah um and it's kind of great because it it makes you feel like you've got them back even if only for 10 minutes it's uh, kind of like the DS9 episode that you watch, isn't it? The visitor. Yes. It's like comes back and then disappears again. He's mm-hmm. like, what? But it can get really difficult um, with uh, with uh, my grandma on my, my dad's side, who's now sadly passed. Um, again, she had dementia. Um, and in the end, she was in a nursing home. Um, and when me and Nicole would go and visit her, um, you get questions like um where's george and george was her husband um and you know he'd been dead for years and everybody who visited had different ways of dealing with it so you get some people who'd say don't you remember he's dead yeah and i didn't like that way because it's they 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 honestly don't know so to then tell them they're dead is almost like kind of well, imagine somebody coming to you and tell you somebody you, you were married to was dead. You know, it, it can't be nice. Well, you get the grief thing, and yeah, exactly. When, when tomorrow you go, where's George? So somebody tells you again, yeah, he's it's dead. It's so you get the grief again. I would rather, day. I'd rather say, oh, he's gone out back later. Yeah, you know, because you know that they're going to forget in however long. Exactly. Then, yeah, that's probably the way I'd deal with it. And and, and that's exactly how um, we used to be. Um, you know, she'd ask the question, and we'd be like. Oh, we're not sure. I'm sure we'll be back at some point, though. Don't worry about it. And just kind of move the conversation on. Um, so, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's it's very strange. But it's um, I am pondering the idea of, of asking her. Because she's not, you know, she's not lost it or anything yet. Mm. But you can tell that her, her memories and stuff will get worse. But I'm pondering, like you'd mentioned it, is uh, sitting down with her with a camera and going, go on, let's talk about years ago when I first moved in with you and all that sort of stuff is just getting some of the life story it's, out but for her but also for me because it's yeah. like I, I don't know what it was like when I moved in for her because I was this 15 year old kid that she'd never really met who'd lo- moved from Scotland to England and she looked after him type thing <laughs> I have no idea what made her go yes he could stay with me and I'd love to know all that and at some point I'm going to lose all that story Yeah, and I'm never going to find it out so I do need to speak to her at some point and say how do you feel about me? Because she knows I make films and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, so, uh, so I'm not going to pitch it as, well, your memories are going to go, so can we capture them beforehand? It'll be mm-hmm. a case of, I would find this fascinating. So do you mind? I, I think she'll be okay doing it. But. For me, it was one of the best things I ever did. Um, and when I shared it with my, the the kind of the audio footage I did with my nan, to, uh, with my mum, only probably about, five six months ago um my mum found it very difficult actually to to sit down and listen to it she she didn't know i'd done it you know years before yeah and because my nan has deteriorated so so much to actually sit down and kind of listen to her where she was more together even though there's signs there that that the memories go in um you know was very difficult but also um when she finally did listen, it was when on one of the trips up to Stoke that I made. So kind of, we sat down together and listened to it. And there's also many kind of little stories in there that make you smile and laugh and, and they are wonderful. Yeah. But you also do things like that, not just for yourself, but other people, but imagine in 
10, 15 years' time, I'd be sitting down watching it. The, it's like it's history that. That's why could I get did it. Lost. Yeah, exactly. I did it for Addy, but not realizing how much it meant to me when I've gone back and listened to it as well. Yeah. But it's, you know, all this technology and stuff we've got, and we're still letting things mm-hmm. get lost a little bit. But, uh, you know. There's, there's a lot of podcasts with us on, so we're doing quite well so far at g- gathering history. Well, that that's one of the things. Ever since you mentioned Toss, who was it? Was it one of your co-hosts? Who yeah, it was uh, Anthony Alex. Yeah, his um, his way of looking at it was this: this was something that his kids could look back at, and yeah. got kind of hundreds of hours of 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 him telling different stories that they may have never heard of. Um, yeah, exactly. And ever since hearing that story it makes me kind of cherish these podcasts even more because I know that if anything happens to me, well, there's going to be podcasts there that Addy can kind of flick through and gleam little bits of information or just sit mm-hmm. down and hear a dad talking. And that's, you know, there's, um, I was watching some of the, and it's on YouTube and I'd put on the trip and I went to trip when Annette and I went to New York, mm-hmm. which was only like two, three years ago or something. It was um, like the, month, the year after one of the sci-fi whales is, and we went over to Kevin Smith's comic book shop. Mm-hmm. And so we, we found a shop and we're like, oh, let's go in. And I did this little intro outside because I was obviously planning on using this thing in experiencing Comic-Con, but yeah. I ended up not doing because it just felt a bit disjointed or whatever. And I went in and I was chatting to, the camera's still running, but you can't really see any footage because I had the camera down at yeah. my side. And I was chatting to the guy behind the counter, going blah, blah, blah you know house things oh we've come all the way from england and all this sort of stuff and we're having a chat and then he introduced me to the the actual the kevin smith's friends mm-hmm. from the comic book and i got a picture taken and the guy took the picture and maybe a month after this guy died oh and because we saw it on twitter i'm like oh my god that's the guy that we were chatting to and he took the picture and so you know effectively the photo that he took of us is one of the last photos that he ever took in that shop type thing mm-hmm. and yet you could hear him talking on this on the video and you're like my god that's nobody knows that this person who died that's him yeah. there, there is there is audio of him having a conversation before it and it's the same with the podcast it's, there's some of the very early episodes of the podcast that i've done and there was a guy called Jaybird who was on one, of, and he died a few years ago. And you think there is still an episode that are in, that's in my archives that's him, me, and Anthony Alex and a whole bunch of people talking about horror movies or whatever for an hour and a half. And he's gone, but it's still there. It's kind of mm. it's it's morbid, but it's also I think it's a good thing. Yeah, that, that this thing does exist because when we were growing up or whatever, it was in like pre-internet, unless you writ, wrote a book. Mm-hmm. Or you were in a movie, or you know maybe a, a home cine eight film or something. There was very very few sort of um, you know bits captured of us. And again, that's when you look at the technology that we've just been talking about, which kind of is keeping kids in the house nowadays. Yeah, that's where it comes into its own because kind of the arrival of mobile phones with a camera stuck to them that will kind of shoot a. 1080p or or 4k video now and um you know the the amount of footage being kind of captured uploaded onto facebook or whatever and shared with people it means that kind of kids nowadays will kind of be able to look back at themselves will be able to look back at their parents and things that they've done with them with a lot more ease than than kind of people who who grew up you know 
50 years ago. I mean, I looked somebody on uh, Facebook who I don't have a lot of friends when I went to school, but there was some people I knew, and as adults, they will find you on Facebook and Adam and stuff. And she, she, she sent me this picture the other day, she tagged me into it, and I must be, I've asked her now, I'm like, how old are the kids in that picture? She went, about four. And there's a picture of me, apparently, four years old. <laughs> and it's like, I didn't even know that picture existed because mm-hmm. uh, very few pictures of me as a kid because my parents kept them all and my mother decided she, she burnt them all or, or something. She got rid of them, basically. Because yeah. my, aunt, my aunt once said to her, she's like, have you got any pictures? And my mother said, he's not having any of them. I refuse. I'm like, okay, fine, go fuck yourself. And uh, so I never got any. But I've got a very small amount. And then to look at that one, I didn't recognize myself. Because mm-hmm. at one point I went, is that me? <laughs> she, she came back going no no I thought the one at the front was you and I'm like I don't know maybe it is no idea don't even recognise myself so it's it's very um, it's a very strange world I think mm. but I, I made sure I saved a copy of that picture and I showed Annette and she was like oh my god I'm like I guess it's me but I don't know I ain't got a clue <laughs> so it's kind of weird but that is technology so mm-hmm. but as time goes on it does does make me realise you know I've got many pictures from you know, digital cameras, phones, etc. Um, I really need to start thinking of a better way to archive them than just yes. sitting on a PC or sitting around on memory cards. Because yeah, one day I'm going to be unlucky and one of these things is going to fail. I'm going to lose some stuff. I need to think about, well, maybe do I get some kind of private cloud storage where I can put stuff on as well as then having the physical backup at home and, and I would... a few different places. Do it. Like, I'd probably suggest doing it like I've done with the podcasts. So, you know, I've got the podcasts online and stuff on TalkShoe and whatnot, but I also make sure that at the end of each year, I back them up onto a physical DVD. Yeah. And then that way there is an archive. So if someday I get hit by a bus or whatever and somebody's clearing through my stuff, they will find a CD full of MP3s and go, oh, what's that? Mm-hmm. That's like six or seven years worth of podcast episodes. Because <laughs> the thing is, it's like if it's on your PC, people might not even know it's on there well exactly or if it's on your phone and you smash your phone people aren't necessarily going to go oh i'll take this to bits and recover all the data that's on it they'll Mm -hmm. just go broken phone and get rid of it so it's you know i have dozens of thousands of pictures on my hard drives and backed up and i just that's why i'm I'm pondering with the photo gallery Mm. idea which i probably will get to at some point but it's just like oh i've got enough stuff to do but just to put them online and probably the same with your photos. Maybe yeah. just set a website up. You know, you don't necessarily have to publicize it if you don't want to, but just put it on there. Uh, but then websites could always shut down. Well, exactly. Servers get phased out for new hardware. It, mm, it's difficult. Well, TalkShoe at one point, I, I've always been with TalkShoe, which is my website, not the web, the podcasting hosting site. Mm-hmm. And the, the first episodes were put on there. And then I went on one day, and it's like, why why does that start at 260-something or mm-hmm. whatever? So I messaged TalkShoe, and I'm like, Is there any, have you got a storage limit or something? Have I, have I broken it? No, 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 we had a fire at the server farm, and all the data was lost from certain dates. Wow. It's like, well, it's very lucky that I had all them backed up onto CD. Didn't Otherwise, those <laughs> 200-something episodes would have been lost. They'd have been gone. So it's, if you can physically back stuff up, it's better. Mm-hmm. This is why cloud is not necessarily the best idea because you know imagine backing them up onto the atari cloud thing back in the 80s hey that's <laughs> all right that'll never go anywhere yes it did it is gone yeah it's uh and and again this is why um we are now looking at um 
kind of compiling the best images and everything we take during a year and just having uh, one of these physical photo books printed. Yeah. Um, just so, again, there's something there. If so, something happens to the file, well, photo book as well. Yeah, it's a good idea. It's like Bob had thousands of pictures on his one of his many PCs and it died and he lost them all. Oh. All gone. Mm. Crazy. So it's you know digital is great, but it's not easy to store. Because <laughs> it can just go bang at the drop of a heart, can't it? Yep. This podcast sponsored by Kodak. Yes, definitely sponsored <laughs> by something. Who knows? So it's like uh yeah, I like the fact that we talk about other stuff rather than just movies, mm. which is quite good. It's it's life stuff as well as films. So it's uh, so I think anybody listening who just wants movie stuff, you will get movie stuff. But now and again, we will tangent into talking about life and stuff as well. So mm. get used to it. So it's quite good. So it are does. you going to be? Um, you looking forward to Stranger Things? Oh, I am. Um, <laughs> it, again, like Game of Thrones, I was late to the. Um, Late to the boat with Stranger Things. I uh, I think it, season two had started, and I heard a few people ch- talking about it. I'm like, I've got I've got to watch the Stranger Things, you know. So I sat down, watched the first episode, and then obviously binge watched it over the next few days, um, and caught up. Um, and yeah, again, another show that um, uh, I can't put down. You know, you know, Stranger Things, um, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones um, was. Um, yeah, the old show, Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, so I, I'm, I'm, well, it's it's been too long coming. I think that's the only thing when you sit down and binge watch a show, then that wait between the end of one season and the start of another, if there's a big gap there, seems yeah. so long because you haven't had to wait between each episode a week or a couple of weeks or whatever it may be. And that's why I think. Binge watching, I'm not a fan of it. I think binge watching, if you choose to binge it, mm-hmm. is fine. Like I did with Chernobyl. I'm like, I'm going to watch one. Oh, that was great. I'm going to watch. Oh, I'm going to end up watching the whole series in a single <laughs> afternoon because I chose to. But I think things with Stranger Things, like, things like Stranger Things, Walking Dead, you've got to binge them because the internet will ruin them for you. Mm. That's that's the side of binge watching I don't like, where you have to do it unless you want some get to spoil it. That's a sad thing. Well, I've got at the moment um, a plan um, for purchasing. Um, do you remember, remember the um, the Elf show, the Alien Life Form? I do, because the dad died last week, didn't he? Yeah. Um, well, I I loved that show as a kid. Mm, me too. Um, so I thought that'd be fantastic to kind of share with Addy and um, and kind of. You know, I always like when we can kind of sit and watch a program that I've enjoyed as a kid and kind of so yeah. she then understands it. So if I ever talk about it, she knows what I'm on about. Do you not find it demoralizing when you're like, look, I used to love this show. I it's great. Yeah, it's, that's terrible. I hate it. Yeah. What? What do yeah. you mean? Has that ever happened? <laughs> um, <laughs> when I tried to get Addy into um, Dog Tanyon and the Musker Hounds, if you remember the cartoon. Oh, yeah, I certainly do. Um, yeah, she, she kind of, she... Well, she not stuck not around that. for the theme tune. She thought that was all right. But as soon as it yeah. got to the cartoon, that was it. She was off in another room watching Dora the Explorer or whatever it may be. Oh, no. um, so, <laughs> so yeah, my, my plan is to buy, I think it's four seasons, all four seasons on uh, on DVD. Yep. And then every Saturday, you know, 
you know, maybe around about the same time every Saturday evening or something like that, sit down and watch one episode. And then save the rest for the next Saturday. So there's something there to kind of look forward to. We're all kind of enjoying it as a family. And, yep. uh, good idea. Yeah, that's my idea. That's a good idea. Routine. It's, it's like the way we used to watch TV when we were kids. Yeah. You never had a channel. You know, kids nowadays can be so kind of impatient for things. And I think your streaming services like Netflix, Now TV, Amazon, they can breed that because... Yeah. You know, you don't have to wait for anything. You want to watch the next episode, it's right there. You want to watch 20 episodes, yep, it's there. You, you remember being a kid and you had a few channels to choose from. And if you stayed home from school, then unless it was lunchtime and, you know, they put on um, something, you, you were out of luck. But you think, I mean, it's it brings me back to the old Netflix and touchscreen type thing. It's like when we were growing up, you would end up watching things that you probably wouldn't watch but you watched them anyway because there was nothing else on yeah a documentary or uh, some sort of french subtitled film or, or something you would never go do you know what? i really want to watch that nowadays people only watch what they choose to watch mm-hmm. so if you don't want to watch anything educational you don't have to and it's it's damaging yes yeah. you know i've seen so many of my favorite films over the years that are still in my top 20 now that i would probably never have watched but I kind of ended up watching them anyway. It's like Devil Wears Prada is a great example. That's a film I had no interest in watching because mm-hmm. I thought, you know what, it's not made for me. Meryl Streep's all right, but it's not It's not my type of film. But we, Annette and I were on holiday somewhere and it was, we would watch, oh, look, an English-speaking channel. Let's just watch <laughs> that. And the film came on and I watched it. It was great and I love it. It's, it's a very good film, but I would never have chosen to watch it. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. I do miss TV viewing the way we used to watch it. Yeah, there was something nice about it. And, um, you know, I, I always um, th- th- kind of, you know, and you wouldn't really say it was golden age of TV, but one of the things I really remember fondly as a kid was sitting down for a, for a Saturday afternoon of ITV viewing, um, you know, just about tea time. Um, yeah. I'd go and visit my dad. We'd have a Chinese together and um we'd stick on itv so you either got like kind of something like night riders glad night rider gladiators yeah, baywatch a team yep. um wrestling um yep. wcw wrestling um you know and i've got really fond memories of that and I'd, part of me wants to kind of try and hang on to it by kind of again buying baywatch on dvd buy um get a copy of gladiators and just kind of relive those those days order a chinese takeaway and and be happy well that's why we have have like an 80s night or something you go do you know what for, for 80s weekend so for like the four the first weekend in august everything we watch is going to be from between these years uh-huh. and nothing else um so it's like a good idea but that's why we do the dice roll mm-hmm. because and i rejigged it so it's like i use two dice uh, or two die or whatever they call them. Bob would be like, oh, it's this way. I'm like, shut up. Uh, so I've got two, di- two dices and a pair of dice or a pair of die. And it's a, it's a six-column grid. put a lot of thought into this. And it's like, roll the first dice and it will choose the column. And then roll the second dice and it will choose the number. So obviously you've got like 36 different things on that or whatever. And you know, depending which number it comes in, it will be like Netflix film, British Miniseries, mm-hmm. sc- screener, carry-on film, 
horror movie, something like that. So that's what. So it takes away the right. I'm going to purposely go watch that. Yeah. And then depending, I've got these little like shoebox things that are in a cupboard. So for example, I've got one that's the horror box, and in it there's about seven or eight DVDs or Blu-rays that are face down, so you can't see what you can't read the spine. Mm-hmm. So it's like right, something out of the horror box. Close your eyes, pick a random one out, watch it. Done. So it is kind of like the way we used to watch it as kids, where you don't necessarily know what you're going to be watching, mm-hmm. and it's so much more fun. Yeah. It's, I mean, for the podcast, if I think I'm just going to watch Ray Donovan all week. That's kind of cool for me, but if somebody isn't watching Ray Donovan or isn't familiar with it, they're going to check out and not listen. But it's like, what have I watched? And I won't go through in reviews, but what have I watched? I watched, in the past couple of weeks, uh, Deadwood the movie, Independence Day Resurgence, The Mule, Star Trek the motion picture, Children of a Lesser God from 1986, Stephen King's Cell, Dream Lover from 2002, and The Make It of Waterworld. Mm. So that's like such a wide mix of stuff because of this dice rolls. And and that's so. the thing, you know, I've mentioned so many times that if it's up to me, I'll just always choose something sci-fi. Yet the amount of um, wildlife TV shows that I've watched, mainly as I was growing up and we didn't have this Netflix generation, mm-hmm. and absolutely loved it. Yeah. You know, the, you know I, I love stuff like that now, but the only reason I know I like stuff like that is because I was forced to watch it as a kid. Yeah. It's, it's a very, I don't know. I, I like Netflix cause it's convenient, mm-hmm. but I also miss video stores and I miss, Oh, I miss just, video stores. Just, yes. Just having four channels or three channels. I remember three, uh, <laughs> Bob remembers two, but you know, Wow. Uh, but yeah, I remember three. I remember channel four coming and you had to watch something. So you would watch things that you didn't really think you would watch anyway so I, I do miss those days but i think they might be gone i think those days are long gone unfortunately yep unless you're sitting in your holodeck and uh, somebody's like you say he's night and that's what you're forced to do yep just get get a paradise paradise and a, and a grid and you just find all the different things you've got to watch and you just put them in the grid and you go roll a dice done it's uh it is very good i highly recommend doing that kind of an extreme way to watch things on tv but it works mm. so uh, what are you up to for the next few days then we'll say working and then off on friday yes uh i've got more web website work to do mm-hmm. um and and who knows what else um i really haven't planned much out i've uh i seem to be at the moment working a lot which means that then i hang on to um kind of my awake time even more preciously so uh, i'll make it to like kind of half past midnight 1 a.m i'll kind of be fighting the the tiredness just so i can get some me time um rather than doing work um it it never ends up um going too well because at the end i'll just crash and sleep for a day and then lose all that time same here i i to sort of battle to stay awake today i just i wanted to go to sleep because i was tired but it's like do you know what i'm i'm glad i've got the two podcasts mm-hmm. to do today otherwise i'd have just crashed and wasted a day <laughs> but um i have a lot of guest podcasts lined up i made the wonderful mistake of putting out a tweet saying any filmmakers want to jump on a podcast at some point let me know i have about 15 of these things <laughs> over the next few months where, which will be fun because I do miss doing it. I miss the, the publicity angle, mm-hmm. which is something I want to push back into. 
And um, so people listening to these will get a crazy mix of different shows over the next few months. But I don't want to do all 15 in a week or two weeks. And some of these people <laughs> are going to have to wait till like October, November before they get their slot. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's fun. Mm. So we've got to build a little media empire, haven't we? Well, exactly. Uh, I'm tuning out the websites as fast as possible. Yes. Well, I've got a WordPress website called From Lens to Screen, which is just, there's nothing on it at a minute, but I've just, for some reason, I must have signed up for that before. So it's a free one. So mm-hmm. it's not like I paid for it, but uh, I renewed my WordPress one for another 12 months. It automatically decided to renew itself earlier this week. I'm like, thanks for that. Much appreciated, but. I'm sure I'll uh, also be having the, uh, a phone call with you about. Um, hosting uh yes websites soon and, and just uh in case you do want to uh resurrect your wordpress stuff or well on that one anyway and uh and move the current one then uh you know i'm sure i'll uh be speaking to you about that yes and i definitely i'm still want a photo gallery at some point not a problem as well i uh mimi wise is quick mimi update i've rent i've taken all the footage that i've shot not edited whatsoever put it all into one big long clip Uh and i've copied it onto my phone because i am now going to start memorizing the footage before i even touch the editing have you started watching it then i've watched clips of it and it all looks pretty good I'm I'm quite none of it's blurry and horrible. You're happy then? There is. I'm happy so far. I right. love the end. The end. The, the shot that I thought was going to be. Oh my god! I hope that works. It looks great. It's because it was shot in near enough pitch black, oh. which is not not a great light thing to to uh, film in by any means. But it does look fantastic. And then I also re-rendered the whole lot as black and white. So I've got two versions of it because I'm I still don't know whether I'm going to do it color or black and white. I may do both versions. I'm not sure yet, but um, yeah, I've not started editing. But I'm just trying to trying to realize what footage I've got, so then I can turn it into what I need to. It's uh, it's an hour and twenty worth of footage mm-hmm. that's been shot. I mean, some of that's multiple takes, so it's not like I've shot an eighty minute film or anything. But it will give me enough footage to choose from to then assemble the first film and stuff so it's uh things are moving slowly mm-hmm. they're getting there when so do you I, think I'm, I'm, um we'll start to see any footage or, or will we see any footage before the first um kind of films released or will it kind of like is there going to be any kind of outtakes released first or teasers may, or uh, well I've, I've already shot the teaser trailer stuff mm-hmm. a few weeks before but I, my brain is now going do you know what you could maybe use some of that footage you shot there in the actual film so i'm not quite sure at the minute because i've not built the film in my head i've got the script obviously and it's like this is what i want but then it's like somebody giving you lego bricks for a house and you go brilliant and then you give you all this extra stuff and you go "Ooh, i could build a porch <laughs> with, that, with those extra bits <laughs> yeah so it's kind of a bit like that at the minute but i'm not rushing into it because i'm speaking to to neil johnson quite a lot and i'm like how do you do this how do you do that so he's he's been amazing with his advice and um, most of it I'm taking, but I, I told <laughs> I, I, I'd and, call um, you crazy if you didn't. Yeah, well, it's like he told me to do it one way, and I'm like, "Yep, I get it." And then I was telling Annette, I said, "I'm going to also do it this other way, and I'm going to copy it onto my phone and look at it." And blah. And she went, "Well, that's not what Neil told you to do." I'm like, "No, no, no. I'm just going to try it a different way as well." She went, "So you're not going to do what he says?" No, no, I am, but I'm just going to do it this other way as well. Yeah, that's all right. As well as so, it's like I'm not, I'm not 
altering any of the master footage that I've got. I'm just, you've kind of got to find your own way mm-hmm. to do it as well. So I'm certainly not going, how dare you, Neil? Stop giving me advice that I know will work. <laughs> I'm going to do it my way because I know better than you. I certainly do not know better than him. But I'm just tweaking around, trying to find what's comfortable for me as well, mm-hmm. which I'm sure he'll just nod and go, that's the way you're supposed to do it. Yeah. So, but it's, uh, I, I quite like the black and white stuff. It does look good, but I still don't know whether it'll be color or black and white. Not quite sure, but there'll be versions of both. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably edit the whole thing in color and then just turn it black and white afterwards so that yeah. we had two versions. But you know, And then at some point, I'm looking forward to shooting the second one, which I'm getting very excited about because that'll be so much easier to shoot than the first one. That's just like one location, point the camera at a face, pretty much done, other than a couple of tricky shots. So. But, but even then, even if it wasn't, that wasn't the case. I'm sure you've learned so much from doing this first one now. Oh, tons. Yeah. And then the third one potentially will be feature length oh uh, which is you heard it here first yes it's uh it, it has definitely got i need to sit down with lamissa and go right this is my plan for the third one how do you feel about that and i'm hoping that she'll be all right i'm definitely all right with that. I'm, I'm fully up for for the plans that i've got on that but we shall see i can't really discuss more on that because there's like some casted things that are going on at the minute but i'm I'm quite excited about a a potential feature length third mimi film yeah if you need uh, a couple of like uh ugly podcasters in the background me and bob i'm sure can volunteer (laughs) i thought you're gonna say me then (laughs) (laughs) and if you um i've uploaded the new podcast as well this afternoon Mm -hmm. that i did with john yeah you know obviously it'll be uploaded a week ago if people are listening to this one but have a listen to that because i go into a lot of the mimi stories on that one and, uh, and, uh, everybody so, can listen at geekhousepodcast.com. Yes, you can. I know some people have listened already, which is quite good. It only went up this afternoon. <laughs> but no, that'll be a fun one for you to listen to as well, because it's. I know you used to listen to the podcast before you were on them. I did. You, you don't tend to now you're on them, because what's the point? You're yeah, exactly. I, recorded. I spent You've my time uh, on the day job today listening to um, the War of the World, but the uh, the new generation one. Yes. Which I think you'd mentioned to me because uh, I'd yeah, always Liam uh, one. yeah the Liam yeah. Neeson one I'd already st- always stuck with the original so um, I listened to that one today. It's interesting. I still would prefer the Richard Burton one. Yeah, but it's as a gimmicky thing. It's like, do you know what? It's alright. Actually, I, I started listening to it. I was thinking this this music's a bit a bit up tempo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I enjoyed it. But I, I'd still go back to the original. I think. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a bit like I've got the Blu-ray of Mad Max: Fury Road, mm-hmm. which is an amazing film. And on that, there is what's called a black and chrome edition of the film, where they've turned it into black and white, uh-huh. and that's great. It looks um, looks gorgeous. But I'd still go back to the theatrical yeah. whenever I watch it. So it's, but it's nice to watch something a little bit different mm. now and again. Oh yeah. So, um, but I shall go for now. I mean, if you're off on Friday, then we'll have a com- we'll have a catch up off podcast on Friday if you want. Yeah, sounds good. If you're around. All right, Rob. Well, thank you again. Thank you. And I will chat to you very soon. Yep. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.